Welcome to Canadian Crime Chicks. This podcast is intended for mature audiences. This episode features coarse language and descriptions of abuse, murder, sexual assault, and condemnation of murder groupies. If you are not offended or disturbed by any of these topics, you are ready for Canadian Crime Chicks. Hey girl, hey. Hey girl, hey. I'm Amber. And I'm Brittany. Let's get high and talk about crime. Welcome, everyone. Welcome to another episode. We'd like to thank you all for listening. This week, we got our first little bit of fan mail. That was really exciting for both Brittany and I. Got our first fan email, which was really exciting. No, that was super exciting. Like, you told me about that. I'm like, as fucking if. No, we did it. <laughs> I know. Like, I saw No, it. we didn't. <laughs> and I was like, what is this? What is this? So if you're out there, hi. <laughs> <laughs> No, I loved it. That was awesome. That honestly, that made me smile so much. So thank you for sending that in, whoever you were. Yes, we did not get your name. Um, so send us more. Send us more fan mail. We yes, you. we loved it. So I was on my way to the grocery store today with Mackenzie. Uh-huh. Uh huh. And for those of you listening, I have um, a five-year-old daughter, and she's the most funniest thing. So we're sitting in the car on the way to the grocery store. And she's trying, she's sitting there trying to whistle and she made like the slightest little whistle. She's like, mom, my whistle came today. I'm like, I just started laughing. (laughs) I'm like, what do you mean your whistle came today? Like what, you just think that just comes to you? She's like, well, yeah, but my whistle came today. (laughs) I'm like, okay. Is it like your period or the changes? (laughs) Yeah, that's exactly what she was thinking. That's so cute. <laughs> but I have the fucking funniest thing Coulter said to me today. So we're in the car today. They were playing Christian music and it was like super uncool Christian music. I'm like, Christian music can be cool. And so I played him a, a Christian song and he's like, mom, that had a bad word in it. And I'm like, hell? Like hell's in the Bible? And he's like, yeah, so is whore. And I don't scream that out in church. <laughs> I'm like, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> I was laughing so fucking hard. So is four, but I don't scream that out. That is hilarious. Oh my god. I made me laugh so hard. They're so fucking funny, these kids. Hey, oh my goodness. My whistle came in. (laughs) (laughs) No, my whistle came today. Oh my gosh, they're so funny. So today's episode is about Sean Grace. Now, have you ever heard of Sean Grace, Amber? You know, I did, I had heard about one of the 911 calls regarding him. I had heard about it. I don't even remember on, on what platform or how I had heard about it, but I had heard that his, his victim had actually phoned 911 while he was in the room. And I thought like you brave, brave girl. Cause like, holy cow, that is crazy. Right. And we'll actually um, take a listen to that 911 call right now. 911, what is the address to your emergency? By the Fourth Street laundromat. What is it? Fourth Street laundromat. What's the problem? I've been exhausted. But you're at the laundromat? No, I'm I'm in the bedroom with them. You don't know what color the house is? No. Please hurry. Does he have a weapon? He's got a taser. Are you injured? A little. Is there any way you can get out of the building? I don't know without waking him and I'm scared. 
Is there a bathroom in the, the house? Well, his bedroom is closed, and he made it so it would make noise. And if you told me you had to go to the bathroom, he would do something to you? Yeah, because he had me tied up. Are you tied up now? Well, I... Yeah, but I kind of freed myself. bananas like i i listen to it and i just get chills like the way she whispers and she's not really sure where she is and she like hears him and he like kind of like rustles there for a second i was like oh no girl he's waking up and like when she stops talking a couple times there i'm like oh that's so scary oh and she was just terrified like the whole time like even when the 911 operator was asking her to try and leave. She was too scared to even move or do anything in fear she, that she would make noise and wake him up. Yeah, and, like, fuck that. Like, same, I've, I'd feel the same way. Like, I would not leave while he was there. There's no, not a chance. Like, she's so, she was so brave, and she handled the, the whole thing. And, like, you can definitely hear the relief in her voice when she sees the police enter. Like, it's... It's crazy. So, Sean, let's learn a little bit about Sean, who's a convicted serial killer. He's been sentenced to death in the state of Ohio. Um, he was he was convicted of two counts of aggravated murder, and then he also pled guilty to two additional charges of murder in 2019 in March, and then an additional count in September of 2019. That's insane to think this was only a few weeks ago. And he even gets executed in 2025. Yeah. And that's if, I mean, if, if all, all the, you know, appeals don't go through and et cetera, like it it could be a few years out, but still crazy. You know, the things that we sometimes forget about these people is that they do have families. And like during a large portion of his crime spree, he was married and he had three kids. That's just wild to me. Yeah. This is somebody's dad. And you know, that's, that's crazy. So he's been convicted three counts of aggravated murder, three counts of murder with kidnapping, four counts of rape, and four counts of abuse of a corpse, two counts aggravated robbery, four counts of burglary, and then also some break and entering, tamper with evidence, and unauthorized use of a vehicle. That's absolutely insane. Yeah. And he even admitted, I, w- I watched some of his interrogation video. It's like three and a half hours long. If anybody actually wants to jump on YouTube and watch it. He says at the very beginning that he never kept a job longer than three weeks in fear the police would find him and arrest him on his child support warrant he had. It's crazy. Right. It's really interesting. Like when I was kind of reading about what he was like, everyone said that he was super charming super likable 
all the girls really liked him and that he was you know, really well liked. He mostly grew up living with his between his divorced parents' homes. It's kind of started as his mom and dad got divorced and his mom abandoned him when he was 11. Yeah, and I guess he was really upset about that too. He did not like Ter- like his mom, Teresa's boyfriend. He continued to live with his father for the next four years, actually. Um, while he lived with his father, he attended the River Valley High School, where he was actually a really good baseball player too. But I guess he never played again after he broke his arm, which actually required surgery, which ended up them discovering a tumor as well. And so he actually even harbored murderous fantasies towards his mother from a young age and his half-sister would state that it was a battle in the household and that was apparent at a young age between the two of them I get it but kids don't get along with their parents sometimes and like when he was a teenager it said that he kind of went through some maybe some emotional neglect and he was pretty depressed and, and things like that and you know it's it's really kind of sad that he he kind of felt this way in his teen years and that he kind of started to get in trouble when he was about 14 years old he would break into houses and he beat up girlfriends and stole money and jewelry and it kind of just paved the way for him getting in a lot of legal trouble between these break and enterings and stealing and being violent in his late teens and right after high school. That's just wild. He was actually sentenced to uh, to four years in jail in 97 when he was charged with a felony burglary and was released in early October of 1997. I'm always interested to kind of hear about like someone's early crimes versus like how they escalate over time. Because they do tend to say that like people who habitually commit offenses seem to get worse and worse and worse with time. And it seems that like if they're incarcerated for longer periods of time, if they don't intend on behaving, they learn as much as they can while they're incarcerated from all the other people. And that's really sad too. You think that like maybe if you want to get help, there's lots of help out there and there's lots of different programs and things that you can do in jail to better your life. But instead, these guys are basically going and becoming better criminals, coming out and doing the same shit over and over again. Oh, 100%. And you know what? Some of them have just been in there for so long that when they get out to a new society, like imagine going to jail before internet was even a thing, before cell phones were a thing, and then coming out to a whole new world where all of a sudden your phone is the size of your hand. And there's this thing called the internet and trying to basically rebuild a life that you have no idea what's going on anymore. So to them, they're like, yeah, well, I'll just do this crime and I'll go back to jail where I'm comfortable and I know how to work that area. Yeah. And that like, to me is really sad too, that, you know, you have to live your life in a way that that you just are so overwhelmed by the thought of being reintegrated into society that you're like, no, thanks. And I just, I don't know. I can't imagine feeling that way because like I enjoy my freedom and I really like being able to go where I want to go and do what I want to do and be able to have the luxuries of having a, a, a job and a family and things like that. And, you know, not everybody has those same luxuries. And so I think that that thought in itself is like, I don't know how to deal with the feelings I have or what's going to happen to me next. So I'd just rather be in jail is really heartbreaking to me. This guy sounds like a lot of what he went through and what he did had to do with 
basically kind of feelings of inadequacy and when he talks about some of his stuff he says it has to do with a lot of mental health issues and and you know that he didn't really feel like anybody cared about him or that he he felt like these women maybe made fun of him or made him feel bad about himself or whatever and he blames these women for the things that they do and it's really sad that he just feels like these women maybe owe him something nobody owes you shit buddy like yeah exactly yeah I don't know like one of the crimes that kind of stuck out to me was he meets this woman and she's noted as Jane Doe that's what she says that she wants to be called she doesn't want any notoriety she doesn't want people knowing who she is so we're just going to refer to her as Jane Doe she met him and they went on a walk together they kind of met up and she spent some time with him and that they were friends and he got pretty sexually aggressive towards her and she was like no I'm good and basically she went to his room to read and she started reading the bible and he saw that and he kind of basically pulled the bible away from her telling her she's not going to leave she's not going to go anywhere and he beats her up and strangles her and he binds her and ties her up and he strangles her and she tries to break free and it took three days for this attack to happen he beats her he rapes her she basically thinks that she's gonna die he just does all kinds of unthinkable things to her and holds her against her will for a long period of time and it's just really terrible to me that he basically she says no to him and he loses his shit no and that's not right and nobody should ever have to go through that no no absolutely not and he has kind of a history of strangling women that's that's his kind of go-to is that he he strangles these women and then he he rapes them and it's, it's like a control thing, it seems like, for him. And that just, to me, is so gross. It's just so icky. Isn't it, though? And he even said in his interrogation that he planned to let her go. He planned for her to get away. He planned that he was going to fall asleep and loosely tie her up so she could get free and just go. That's so gross. And, like... Isn't it, though? Ugh. He admits to killing and strangling five women. There's the possibility that he could have could have killed more he won't admit to any more but the five that they he admitted to is because they found their possessions and their their bodies you know on his properties in his properties in areas with his dna on them like there's there's unequivocal evidence that he did these and all of them their cause of death is strangulation and seems like that's kind of his go-to and one of the women her cause of death was ruled a drug overdose but he strangled her because she stole $4 from him. See, that's like anger issues to the max. If you're going to kill somebody over $4, like I'll give you four you fucking dollars. Like if someone stole $4 from me, I'll give you four fucking dollars. Like don't strangle somebody over $4. Like that's Looney Tunes. Isn't it though? So the house that he actually got arrested at, they ended up finding two other dead bodies in that house. One of them was Stacy Stanley, also known as Stacy Hicks. And the other one was Elizabeth Griffith, who had been missing for about a month before Greg's arrest. 
And so one of them was found in the closet with a bunch of dirty laundry on it. And another one was found somewhere else in the house with this trash buried on, on top of them. Like, how do you do that to another human being? Like, I... I couldn't imagine. That makes me really sad. Like even when I see someone who obviously looks like they're, you know, struggling or they're, you know, not able to provide adequate housing for themselves or things like that. Like I get sad for those people and I just want to like give them a coat or get them a blanket. I never think that you deserve to be with the trash. Like, ugh, those are human beings. Give a head a shake. Right. And so when they were interrogating him about Elizabeth Griffith, So this happened before they actually searched the house because as they're interrogating him, they're still working on trying to get warrants and stuff to search the house. And so they started asking about Elizabeth and where she was and everything. And he just kind of looks at them and goes like, you really don't know where she is? And they're like, no, we literally have no idea where she is. Like, please just tell us. No, you're lying. I know you're just trying to get me to do the right thing here. You you found her. No, we haven't found her. Like, where is she? Where's Elizabeth? Like, we want to know. Her family's worried about her. We're worried about her. Like, where is she? He's like, mm, no, you guys really haven't found her? I'm like, no. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't help but laugh at that part with how confused he was that they haven't found her. Because to him, he literally put her in the most obvious spot. You know what I mean? Like, anybody could find her. Like, super easy to find place. Yeah. It just, it breaks my heart that he was just so baffled that, you know, anyone caught on to him. But he was also, I think he was trying to get caught, especially with the last lady. And that's the one 911 call we heard earlier. She was in the room with him and, you know, she was able to call 911 while he was in the room. And it seemed almost like he kind of wanted to get caught. Like he left his phone out. He didn't tie her up very well. He, I don't know if he was super high or super drunk. Like I wasn't real clear on that, but he was in an altered state when he got arrested. And so it was like, did he finally just want to get caught? Like, was he just so done with being this angry, full of hate guy? And he was tired of running and tired of feeling the way he was feeling. And he just kind of gave up. Like that's kind of the vibe I got from him and like some of the footage I had seen and some of the things I had saw was just seemed like he had just kind of given up. No, I, I honestly think that he pretty much did give up because when he even stand, he, oh, he stand. <laughs> Words are hard today, guys. Words are hard. <laughs> um, when he even said, oh, I planned for her to get away. If you normally, if you kidnap somebody and do those horrible, horrible things to them, they don't just let you get away. They don't plan for their victim to get away. No. So, no, absolutely not. He's kind of done really nothing to better himself. He hasn't really done any programming. He's kind of just seems like he's fine with his sentence and he's okay with doing the time that he's doing. Got multiple victims. He is someone who abused women his whole life basically and yet women found him like exciting and attractive and it's like that's so weird I'm like I think in a future episode we need to talk about the murder groupies because that's thing that goes on and it's something that I find super baffling and like I just can't wrap my head around but you know what a lot of serial killers are ladies man they know how to entice the ladies you know they know how to bring them in and gain their trust but like, it's so weird. Like, I I follow this girl on TikTok and she 
she like her whole thing is that she is like in love with a guy who's in jail for like serious crimes and she writes some letters and he sends her drawings that he makes and they're like in love and i mean everyone deserves redemption but he's like not sorry he's not sorry he's unrepentant he will be in jail for the rest of his life he doesn't care and like you know the women who wrote charlie manson the women who write chris watts the women who write you know paul bernardo it just baffles me it's like what do you what do you see here that i'm not seeing i don't understand it i find these people fascinating but do i want to fall in love with them not really i think there's actually a show about something like that it totally is like there's actually websites too where you could be a pen pal with somebody in jail yeah and like there's that show love behind bars and like all yeah and like you know i believe in volunteering in prisons and penitentiaries i myself volunteer at a penitentiary you know i have taken part in those types of programming and i think that people who want to get better and want to better their lives absolutely willing to help those people but i don't understand the fascination with like fangirling over them and being excited and in love with all these dudes and it's like it just it baffles me i'm like i just don't understand it but i mean you know you do you boo boo (laughs) (laughs) pretty much like okay go have fun with that (laughs) let me know how it goes having a boyfriend who's in jail for the rest of their life yeah or like you know i remember i i watched recently actually a documentary about a girl who was who was writing Chris Watts in prison and she was like writing back and forth with him love letters and I just was like you know he murdered his pregnant wife and and their babies right like he he killed his his little girls and like his one daughter's last words to him were no daddy no that made me cry like I watched that documentary on Netflix and like I just cried I'm like sitting there sobbing I watched it with my husband and when he when they said that my husband started to cry and he was like that monster like you men are put on this planet to father children and protect them that is your job and like my husband always says like I would I would fight a bear for our son like I don't care and like just this guy literally you know like my husband says like dads are, are meant to protect from monsters and that dad was the monster and that's just so heartbreaking to even hear so heartbreaking and like you know these types of men like like sean here you know he abused he's a serial women abuser his whole life and that's that's all he cares about is is being in power and being in control and having women dominated you must listen to me and you must follow me and you must do this and it just is so gross to me and I can't stand it. Like I just, I listened to his story and I read about him and I just feel gross about him and like read about his story. And as a child, like I said, he was really charismatic and all the girls liked him in high school. It was like, Sean. And I just, I just don't think that's so gross that he ended up being basically the boogeyman. Right. And that's so sad. Absolutely. Another one of his victims, Candace Cunningham, they actually found her body in uh, a neighboring county on the day of his arrest. And they found her body behind a house that had actually just previously burned down. And so what happened with him and her is they were talking. um, She actually changed her Facebook status to married to him. 
I guess he apparently proposed to her and everything. And she was just completely infatuated with Sean, just like you said. Like, he, all the ladies just love him. And her family described her as, um, like, very loving and caring and determined. But she just got caught up in the wrong tech, uh, in the wrong crowd. And she actually had two kids as well. But both were taken away in 2009 due to drugs. And once she moved to Mansfield, they thought things would change for her. Um, sadly, however, un- unfortunately, they did. It didn't change for her. It's really sad. You know, it's just really sad. And like the fact that he took so many lives and and when someone's killed, it's not it's not just their life that it's changed. It's not just their life that's affected here. Everyone that's involved, like the children, every every family member everything like it's just you know it's really sad and like I I just think about that all the time like all these people are left behind from this and we sometimes forget that that this is this is what really happens these kids are left behind motherless because you've decided that you can't control your anger yeah that's just so sad it's super sad well hopefully he gets executed in 2025 because people like that should not be on the planet no offense if that offends anybody i just think you know it's not even about don't be on the planet anymore it's like just don't don't do bad things be a nice person (laughs) like if you're if you're upset and you don't like people and you feel like you know maybe maybe you're struggling or maybe you have some mental health issues or maybe you're just a really angry person there is help there's help for you and you can be redeemed and you can get the help that you don't ever feel like you can't get the help that you you need. So, you know, if someone out there is struggling and you feel like you need some assistance, re- reach out to somebody. There's lots of mental health help out there for, for people experiencing different things. And, you know, just ask for help. Don't fucking kill people. <laughs> <laughs> and just don't be embarrassed to ask for help. Everybody no. can help everyone once in a while. Don't Absolutely. sit there and struggle with your demons. Absolutely. Absolutely. Ah, and with that, that's the story of how great. Frick, what a story. Thank you for listening to Canadian Crime Chicks. Follow at Canadian Crime Chicks on Instagram to hear about future episodes. If you have a crime you want to hear about or a crime you want to talk about, email CanadianCrimeChicks at gmail.com. You can now follow at CanCrimeChicks on Twitter. Please rate us and leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts. Music is Anxiety by Kai Angle. Produced by David Johnson. New episodes released Saturdays.